We're in a battle for America's soul. Liberty is at risk. It's time to speak up. Welcome to Brooke Talks America with author, publisher, conservative advisor, and patriot. Brooke says, for years, Brooke's been behind the scenes, helping conservative leaders articulate a vision for a better America. Now, she's front and center, and the mic is hot. Here is your host, Brooke says. Hello, hello. Welcome to Brooke Talks America, where we discuss politics and culture from an unapologetically conservative perspective. You will get no Mitt Romney, Joni Ernst, or National Review squishy rhino Republicans with me. I assure you, I'm your host, Brooke Says, conservative patriot, proud, deplorable, love my president, and columnist, which you can read on brooktalksamerica.com. That's Brooke with an E. Connect with me on the interwebs. I am still on Facebook and Twitter, although I'll probably be getting off. I am on Parlor at Brooke Says. Uh, check out the website, like I said. And um, if you'd like to partner and be a sponsor of the show, let me know. There is a donate button on the site if you'd like to help get this conservative message out there. Would be well appreciated. And we do have new merchandise in the shop. I'm here with my co-host, Colonel Jim Warshuk, who's the former deputy director for intelligence at U.S. Central Command, served on the White House National Security Council, and currently is the Hillsborough County, Florida GOP chairman. You can check out his articles on his Facebook page. So you know the deal from Hot Topics to History. You can be sure if it's happening in America, and there is a lot. We will be talking about it. You can listen to archived podcasts of the show on my website, brooktalksamerica.com. Also, I am on Captain's America Third Watch every Tuesday morning at 5.30 a.m. Colonel Jim is on Wednesdays at 5 a.m., uh, both on this station, Salem Media Group, AM860, The Answer. The podcast is also available, very cool, on iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Podomatic. I was listening to it on iHeartRadio yesterday, as a matter of fact. So let's get to the jelly. Uh, everybody's talking about the election. Of course, still, unfortunately, it's not uh, resumed because the Democrats are trying to steal it. Yeah, I said it. So we're joined today by Greg Prentice, who is a member of the Hillsborough County Republican Party and is a 30-year information technology professional. Uh, Greg became interested in election integrity nearly 10 years. He's a great conservative, too, um, nearly 10 years ago, and unfortunately found that Florida has big problems in this area. Uh, so his focus now spans anything related to election integrity, from improving our election laws to holding uh, elected officials accountable to making sure every citizen's vote counts. And by the way, shouldn't it? Every citizen who's alive, <laughs> of course. Uh, so I wanted to have him on because obviously we're having a major election integrity issue, or should I say lack of integrity, uh, with the national presidential election, but also locally uh, in state and municipal elections, including here in Hillsborough County, which we'll get into. We have uh, three candidates that are now filing suit along that uh, line. The great thing is that whenever Greg enters the Hillsborough supervisor of elections, he makes them sweat as does our chairman, Colonel Jim, and our secretary, Jeannie Webb. So we're very glad we have him on our side to go and uh, hold them accountable. He and Jeannie, who is also an Army MP and a CO for over 20 30 years, uh, were, were dispatched to Mississippi as experts on the matter in a recount. So with that, I'd like to welcome you to the show, Greg. Thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, Greg, are you not totally grateful that Ron DeSantis and not Andrew Gillum is our governor? Uh, wouldn't it be unbelievable to have what's going on in those other states happening here? 
It would totally be happening here. We really dodge a bullet. And I really believe that that's why they did not uh, try anything like that, because after 2018, they really tightened it up and they knew that they couldn't play with that here. Well, yeah, that, I hesitate a little bit. I mean, we got rid of a couple of our county supervisors, the worst ones, but not all as well. Correct. You know, we'll, we'll be talking shortly. Yes, yes. And um, so how is Florida vulnerable? Well, as a summary, our election laws are lame. Our <laughs> Florida voter roll is filthy. And there's essentially no transparency for checks and balances in the process. Yeah. Well, so what's the problem with it regard to the violations and the prosecution? So it's one thing you not only have to determine what the violations are and we'll get into all of that, but we also have to people have to actually be prosecuted for this. And I see prosecutions going on in other states, but, you know, not that many here. Yeah, the, 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 actually, the, the prosecutions across the whole country are very thin. Yeah. Um, Her- Heritage Foundation has a database, and there's a couple other websites as well that are maintaining a database of, of the known uh, you know, prosecutions uh, countrywide. Um, Florida's had a few, but not near enough. They're, they're just, they comes in fits and spurts. It's, it's the kind of things that the government essentially can't ignore is the only thing that's ended up getting taken to court. Yeah. Well, uh, as compared, this is stunning. And and really, we're finding out with the vote totals in some of these uh, cities, I think uh, Philly had like, I could be wrong about the city, but like 350 percent more voting than is actually registered And these astronomical numbers in Florida, as compared to the census. We are more than 100% registered to vote. I mean, that may be Common Core, you know, 1619 project math, but that's not math. <laughs> no, yeah, and, and it's been that way for a long time. Yeah. Um, so normally the registration rate nationwide is in the 70s. Maybe Florida's a little bit higher and you can get into the low 80%. But when there's 14 million registrations on Florida's voter roll, you know, even a 10% difference, and we're sitting at almost 20%, yeah. the 20% difference starts knocking on the door of 3 million too oh, many wow. voter registrations in Florida. Wow. So that's, I mean, we, elections are often decided just on super thin margins. I mean, we had, it wasn't super thin here, but it was 10,000 and 30,000, I think, in, uh, in 2018. But I mean, in Bush v. Gore, it was what, like 564 votes. So certainly 3 million, which, of course, my opinion is why they want so many illegals in. You know, I think Hillary actually won California with illegal votes, but whatever. 3 million can be absolutely incontrovertible if you have that many people that can vote. And it's not checked. I mean, that'll totally destroy any relation, any, uh, you know, rational election. Yeah, with that many abandoned voter registrations on a state's voter roll, you can start to see how some of the problems this year in other states have occurred. You know, if they if they end up proving that uh, ballots were manufactured, um, you can see when the voter rolls are filthy like this, and there's millions of registrations uh, sitting there unused, uh, then they can you know someone could come in and and vote for those you know create ballots for those uh, abandoned registrations. Yeah, and the other thing is that you know. Obviously, we're Republicans. I mean, I I consider myself a conservative who votes Republicans, but nonetheless, we're members of the Republican Party. But and and there have been for, you know, to be fair, there have been prosecutions of Republicans for voter fraud. That's that's, you know, but it really is very obvious and should be excruciatingly obvious and clear as the window that I'm looking out of that it is Democrats 
overwhelmingly, and I would say 95%, who are always caught up in these schemes, and they have zero interest usually in cleaning up the roles, including locally. Yep, that's, that's been our experience as well. Yeah. Well, so Hillsborough, another uh, big city progressive, as I know you love the word progressive, uh, you know, to call them. It's, we, people say liberal, but they're really progressive and they're really regressive. Uh, and it includes Republicans, unfortunately. But supervisors, they refused to adhere to FS 90.075. So explain what that is and why it matters. Okay, so, and it's actually, Brooke, it's, it's 98.075. Yeah. And so there's a statute in Florida. This is an example of why our voter rolls are filthy, and, and there's, I've got a number of them. But, but this first one, there's a statute, 98.075, that when a supervisor in Florida becomes aware of a registration where the voter no longer lives at the address that's on the voter roll, when he becomes aware, he or she becomes aware of that, the supervisor by law has seven days to send a vote, send the voter a certified letter that includes a 30-day warning to the voter that they have to respond or risk removal from the voter roll. Now, in our experience, we've been submitting these for years, and, and we've got 67 counties in Florida. Sixty of those counties, the rural, more rural, not the large cities, but the more rural counties, all follow that statute, and they end up with a 90% removal rate. If we submit wow. 100 voter registrations, they'll remove at least 90, sometimes 95, 98 of them. Okay, but when we submit, and here in Hillsborough or in the other big cities, other than Dade, uh, other big cities other than Dade, um, they refuse to follow that statute. Um, they're violating the statute by refusing to follow it because it doesn't say they sh- they may mm-hmm. send the certified letter. It says they shall yeah. send the certified letter. Well, and always, you know, maybe not always. I mean, there might be few exceptions but generally what are big cities synonymous with democrats so there's not a vested interest from the democrat party to clean up the rolls because they like dead people and illegals and multiple ballots to be able to vote and to be clear you know we've looked at uh deceased folks on the voter roll over the years and florida generally does a pretty good job at that there there were some that squeaked through the, the uh, process that they have from the Department of Health, you know, and down to the supervisors of election, but but it's it's spotty. Um, where we're finding we're finding problems in other areas. Um, I guess that one's so obvious that they're actually paying attention to it, you know, for for the deceased voters. But um, the situation is like this: ninety-eight oh seventy-five, where, where supervisors are intentionally not following the statute to help clean up the voter roll. Um, so essentially, we've been stymied. You know, we're, we're in a position where we could submit tens of thousands, mm-hmm. you know, especially if we had more help uh, volunteer-wise, but we could submit tens of thousands of names to these supervisors statewide, um, and, uh, and they should be cleaning them up within a matter of two or three months, and it's not happening. Well, and we'll we'll get into more about that. I just want to think about the idea is that who, you know, as we go into break to, to remember, who does it benefit to have this happen? It's one party that benefits pretty much exclusively. You're listening to Brook Talks America. I'm here with Greg Prentice and Colonel Jim, and we will be right back. More Brook Talks America coming up. Welcome back to Brooke Talks America with Brooke Says. Check out the blog at brooktalksamerica.com. 
Here's Brooks Says. Welcome back to Brook Talks America. I'm your host, Brooks Says, here with Greg Prentice. And, uh, you know, one of the things, particularly with Florida, uh, there's so many, it's a very transient state. Like here we have, wherever you have a lot of colleges and universities, you're going to have a lot of transients. We have a lot of people that travel here, but there is a lot of movement. And especially now at this time, uh, you know, perhaps strategically, there's a lot of movement in and out of the state. And one of the things that, you know, has to be considered wherever there is a big turnover in population, that's where we have these problems. You have to make sure that the voter rolls are, you know, cleaned up and that people that move out no longer registered to vote people that are moving in, make sure that that we get them. You know, that's one of the local parties jobs is to make sure that they are actually registered to vote. And, you know, I was thinking about the issue is one of the things that's been exposed really hardcore in this coronavirus pandemic is that all the people that work for the government continue to get their pay while the rest of the people don't necessarily have that luxury. And one of the issues then probably is laziness. Right. So. These are people that are funded, the SOE and the local, you know, uh, voter, the people that are in charge of the voter registrations, they're funded by taxpayer dollars. They might be lazy that they don't want to actually go through and nitpick and do this job, but that is their job and we are paying them to do it. So they need to do it. But one of the, um, you have here that, that was a result of the election in 2018 is that felons could be able to vote. You have that, like, 10,000 felons were on the voter roll while I was still illegal, and they were still voting. What happened with that? Well, we haven't actually haven't followed up on that lately, but it's a big point to make to people that you know before the constitutional amendment to start allowing felons, and of course I think that's still going through the courts. But um, you know, you know what, what does the government bureaucracy do, right? And usually not one of the best jobs. You know, is, is they don't use, aren't able to claim that. Uh, and so in this case, we had identified when it was illegal for felons to be on the voter roll, we'd identified more than 10,000 felons that were still on there. And it was a difficult task to get the division of elections and the supervisors to pay enough attention to that. Um, I, you know, if, if this constitutional amendment doesn't, uh, you know, go through, if, it, if for some reason it gets held up, um, you know, that could be a continuing problem we'd have to go back and take a look at again. Wow. So what do you say should happen when a poll worker notices that a voter's registr- uh, residence address on their ID does not match their address on the voter roll? We're not, they don't even want us to have uh, signature ID. Yeah, so th- this, is, this is an important – here in Hillsborough, I'm not w- aware of how broad this is in the other counties, but as an example here in Hillsborough, um, we have a supervisor – who is teaching the uh, well let me ask you a question so when 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 a voter comes in and they check in to vote on an early voting or election day you know and and their address the poll worker notices that the address on the ID doesn't match right. the address on the voter roll you know what should happen right i mean the common sense would say that you would ask the voter and, and say hey you know your your addresses don't match would you like to change them but for whatever reason for and i can't think of a good one our supervisor in hillsborough is repeatedly training, uh, he trains all of them for years, this has been going on, where they're training the poll workers to not tell the voter what the problem is. They instead just say the phrase, would you like to update your voter registration? Well, you know, anybody that hears that, I mean, it's very, very rare when we have poll watchers watching this, very rare does a citizen go, well, what, what, why would I need to or whatever? They, they say, do I want to update it? No, they don't want to update it. And so they just marry on and move on and they, uh, they get to, they're allowed to vote normally. And in my mind, the only reason, that, I mean, what, what good reason could there be for that? Um, because what you end up with is a dirty voter roll. Right. And you also end up potentially with one less hurdle for voter identity theft. 
imagine if somebody is uh, was going to try to steal, you know, pers- identity, you know, go in and fake their identity, being ten different people. It'd be very hard for them to remember the addresses for each of those people. But when the supervisor's not asking them anything about the address differences, well, they don't have to worry about it. Well, and the other thing is that people, you know, I mean. By nature, they're probably kind of inherently lazy. They don't, if they don't have to do an extra step, it's kind of like right. when you change your, your driver's license, if you move, you have to go change your driver's license and then you have to change your voter. If they don't have to do that, they're not going to do that. So yeah. it's, it's, these are steps that are, that are put in place of the For reason. F- correct. Correct. And, and, you know, again, there, while there are Republicans that do this, this is really a cottage industry for the left. They pay people to do this stuff. I mean, that's hopefully to God. You know, we're going to be discussing it with uh, Colonel Jim later is what Sidney Powell has. And he has and all kind of evidence of that. They pay people to do this kind of s- schemes. But so, you know, that's very the problem with it is another thing. And you guys go every election season, whenever there is a, a vote, you know, election, you actually go into the SOE. It's not transparent. I mean, we saw several uh, ep- ep- evidences of that where they were putting up, I think it was Philly, they were putting up boards to in the window so that you couldn't actually watch. We have the right to be able to see this stuff. And they put every impediment in there. What has your experience been when you go in? Well, our impediments haven't been, you know, like that, that blatant, but, but there are. Um, one of the things that's going on right now in Hillsborough is our poll watchers are confined to a specific area in the polling place. Sometimes, you know, 30 and 40 feet away from, uh, you know, like the scanning machine or the clerk's desk or things that they need to be able to observe. And this is not. Can they bring um, binoculars? Well, yeah, right. That's crazy. Right. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, exactly. Um, but it's not in the law. The law says the poll watchers are supposed to be able to go no closer than necessary to do their job. Well, being cordoned off in a corner of the room is not following right. that law. Yeah. Well, and the other problem that we have this year, particularly, and I, you know, I talk about this on the show all the time. All of this stuff is coordinated, planned for this purpose. The pandemic is part of this to get absentee ballots and vote by mail. That's a big problem that has been, you know, they're going to litigate this. So what is, you know, it's hard to monitor that. What goes on with that? All right. So in Florida, it's it, this is where we have an um, extreme lack of transparency. Um, in Florida, no citizen, nobody has the right to like review how does the Postal Service handle the vote by mail ballots. We cannot review the signature comparison process when the uh, vote by mail envelopes come back to the supervisor. They don't allow us to, to watch that. That's statewide, from what I understand. Um, we're not allowed to watch the opening of the mailing envelope. We're not allowed to watch the separation of the ballot from the privacy sleeve. And we're not allowed to watch or monitor the storage of the ballots themselves. So essentially with vote by mail, you know, we've essentially got like a 3 or 5% being generous window onto the vote by mail process. And the rest of it's like a smoke-filled back room. Well, and is it, there is no... Nothing to be suspicious about with the fact that the Postal Union endorsed Joe Biden, of course, right? Nothing at all questionable questionable about that? Well, right. And, and, you know, this transparency, so it goes down to the individual postal worker. If, you know, it would be very easy, like, we've discovered so much. If, if I was a criminal, it'd be very easy for me to flood a given poll, I mean, a given a postal worker's um, delivery route mm-hmm. with absentees from these abandoned registrations and then he could just hand them to me. Yeah. And there are videos of that. That one, uh, James O'Keefe had a video specifically about that with a postal worker talking about 
that issue. He said if he could get more ballots, he said, well, you know, they were joking, mocking the whole situation. It's always under the premise, you know, at that time about like hating Trump and they were willing to do, you know, Hopefully they have a lot of evidence about that. We've already seen a lot of videos, but hopefully they have a ton more. So there is one of the another issue is the need for conservatives, specifically for conservative poll workers and poll watchers. So describe what the difference is between the two of them. Well, and I appreciate that. that that's, Absolutely. There are many opportunities for people to get involved, right? And and one of these uh, is being a poll worker or a poll watcher. So poll workers, they work at the polling place, checking in. And voters, they get paid, right? Yes, and they yeah. do. Right, exactly. They're managing the polling site. They, they need to apply and are hired by the supervisor of elections, and they get paid, like you said, Brooke. Mm-hmm. For both the required training and their shifts at the polling places, uh, the, now that people need to understand the, the uh, they generally like here in Hillsborough, they have to be there all day, which can be ten to fourteen hours long for mm-hmm. you know for a single day. Now, poll watchers, on the other hand, are not paid; they're volunteers, and they monitor the polling places and what the poll workers are doing to make sure the laws are being followed. And we provide training for that when the count, statewide and every county provides training for this uh, you know, within the Republican Party and other organizations. So the poll watchers, they have to sign up and be sponsored by a candidate or a political party. Mm. They have to be credentialed by the supervisor of elections uh, at least two weeks prior to the start of voting. So you cannot become a poll watcher the day before the vote starts. You have to plan ahead a couple of weeks and make sure to get your name submitted through a candidate or a political party. And uh, the poll watchers, it's much more flexible as far as a time-wise. If you have an hour or two, or if you're available all day, that'd be fantastic. But even an hour or two would be a big help to the community. And and this is evidence of a very basic and important point. You you're as a citizen in a republic and the within the action or the you know the process of democracy we are not a democracy but in the action the process of democracy you cannot offshore your democracy. You have to be a participant in some kind of way. All of us can't look and say, oh, well, how is this happening if you're not going to be involved in some kind of way? Everybody can do something. At the time of the election, you can do door knocking, you can do poll watching, you can do making phone calls, doing something. But we, the, it's been really exposed that fundamental point is that everybody needs to be involved in the process of securing their liberty and their freedom. Now, uh, as we, as we approach, um, you know, the break, how are ways that people can actually, you know, going forward, it's my personal opinion that if this election goes to the Democrats, they're going to undermine crucially some of these things anyways. I mean, that's I know that's, you know, not a positive aspect, positive thought, but that's just my opinion. They'll, they already own so much of the bureaucracy anyways. But going forward, what are some ways that people can help? Very good. So yeah, so the poll watching and poll working would be great. Other ways you can you can uh, become an election. And how how do they do that? If they want to be a poll worker or poll watcher, they go to the local party. Yeah, the poll worker, you have to go to the supervisor. Supervisor, okay. I with them. A poll watcher, yeah, go to your local county political party or talk to your candidate. Okay. You have to be sponsored by a candidate or a political party in Florida by law to be a poll watcher. Some of the other ways you could uh, become an election integrity leader for your county. We need we need representation in every county, all 67 counties in the state. Um, if, and you could also, if you don't want to do that, you could adopt a big county. Like a lot of people are listening might be living in a rural county. You could you know, do things within your own county, but if there's a big county near you, that that would be the way to spend your time, is uh, because these big counties are where the big votes are occurring, right? Especially on federal level and uh-huh. statewide. 
statewide races. So we're also working on legislative improvements because our laws are lame. Um, and then you could also help in cleaning the voter roll and, and reviewing the data for anomalies, if you're interested in that kind of thing. Um, you mentioned earlier about having illegals on the voter roll. One thing that can be done is comparing juror excusals because someone's a, a, a non-citizen. They'll often say, um, well, I can't do that because I'm a non-citizen, and they report that, and we can get a hold of that data and then compare those names to the voter roll. And, uh, and find out if they were automatically, you know, motor voter. They might have automatically been registered uh, on the voter roll, and they need to be removed. So we definitely do not want motor voter in the state of Florida. We don't have it, right? No, no, it is there. Okay. It's nationwide. Oh, it is? Um, oh, yeah, no. So, yeah, this, this, this is one of the ways the felons were getting on the voter roll. Oh, they okay. Got out of yeah. prison, and they'd go apply for a driver's license, and they'd automatically get registered to vote. Wow. Um, oftentimes, we were getting hist- uh, stories about they would say no, and they'd get registered anyway. Um, and this, and it wasn't getting caught by the bureaucracy, and that's how we ended up with that ten thousand plus on the on the on the voter roll. Oh, um, terrible! If I can mention a couple of websites. Sure. Um, yes, I want you to. Yeah. So, be, if you're poll working, contact your so- supervisor of elections. Um, one of the websites that's national is TrueTheVote.org. True, like is in truth. Like that's Cleta, right? Say again. Cleta Mitchell. No, no. This uh, this is another organization. Oh. Um, but uh, but they've been around a while. They were actually part. Remember the IRS gate where the IRS yes. was targeted. Uh, so they were one of the organizations that was targeted, uh, or they were trying to shut them down big time. And they, they actually testified. The gal that's in charge of it testified in front of Congress a number of times about the whole situation. Uh, they actually attacked her firm, that her and her husband yeah. had a, a private business, and the, and the government attacked their, they had multiple, like 15 or 20 uh, visits by federal agencies to their business after she uh, started that organization. But, but the other one is we have a Florida uh, organization, electionintegrityflorida.com, and you can contact us if you have questions or or want to get involved you can uh, post a note to us on electionintegrityflorida.com all one word okay great so we have electionintegrityflorida.com and truethevote.org and again people you need to know you cannot outsource this the democrats have billions and billions and billions of dollars we don't have unfortunately we don't have just you know a plethora of billionaire conservatives that are just willing to spread that flow around so that we can do all this stuff in fact locally we have a bunch of former donors who are just funding democrats and are rhinos so it's going to take individuals who are willing to participate and volunteer that's just kind of how it works it's kind of part of the three percent anyways greg thank you so much for being on the show Thank you for all of your hard work, along with the local party, you, Jeannie, Colonel Jim. You guys have done amazing work. I've known you since I came here, and you really are doing amazing work with this, trying to clean it up. So if you'd like to volunteer to become involved and do this, make sure that you contact the local party to keep the voter rolls clean and make this function better. And you're listening to Brook Talks America. I'm your host, Brooke Says. Be right back after the break. More Brook Talks America coming up. In recent years, much has been done to try and eradicate our Thanksgiving holiday. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards on today's page from the Edwards Notebook. As a little boy growing up in Cleveland, my dad taught me about the importance of Thanksgiving. He often reminded me that although there are those who hate our republic, but for some reason never have the intestinal fortitude to leave, but we the people are blessed to have been born in this land of plenty, where our Bill of Rights enumerates our inalienable rights. 
and the Constitution places restraints on government or is supposed to. Dad would also talk to me about great Americans like the Pilgrims and Abraham Lincoln, who were motivated to declare days of thanksgiving and prayer. And other great Americans like Frederick Douglass, who grew to love and give thanks for being in America despite the worldwide practice of slavery. Dad taught me that if we as Americans have problems, we should seek providential guidance and give thanks for our real solutions so that we would always be that sweet land of liberty and justice for all. Happy Thanksgiving. I'm Ron Edwards. Check out theronedwards.com. Welcome back to Brooke Talks America. Visit on Facebook. Search Brooke Talks. And now, your host, Brooke Says. Welcome back to Brooke Talks America. I'm your host, Brooke Says, here with Colonel Jim. Um, That was an excellent Edwards notebook by Ron Edwards. And sadly, that is really what uh, we're facing in America. They have taken this year, okay, Easter... Memorial Day, Independence Day, Thanksgiving, Veterans Day, Thanksgiving, they're trying to take, and Christmas they're trying to take. And you see with that disgusting tree that de Blasio put in New York, that's a big middle finger to people who believe in Christmas, love Christmas. It's also a big middle finger to America. This is what they're trying to do to this country, okay? And they've done all this within eight months. This is what's at stake in this election. Uh, If you haven't heard about it, you need to go online. They're trying to say that it's a conspiracy theory, but this is what's really at stake. It's called the Great Reset. This is truly a choice between individual freedom and global serfdom and slavery, you know, before Trump came along, they are they already had Brexit. OK, they were absolutely the globalists were absolutely furious about Brexit. They were furious that the minions had dared to vote against being in the European Union. OK, they haven't even delivered Brexit yet. And I'm thinking they probably won't. So that when when that happened, they were furious and they tried to push it back and everything. And then when Trump came along, they lost their minds completely because Hillary was supposed to get in, be the third term of Obama and continue on with the globalist transformation of the world. But now they're not even hiding it. They're talking about it up up front. And this is what it's about here. A couple clips, both from Trudeau and some of the other people that are involved. This pandemic has provided an opportunity for a reset. This is our chance to accelerate our pre-pandemic efforts to reimagine economic systems that actually address global challenges like extreme poverty, inequality, and climate change. Now is a historical moment, a time, not only to fight severe virus, but to shape the system. We have a unique but rapidly shrinking window of opportunity to learn lessons and reset ourselves on a more sustainable path. It is an opportunity we have never had before, I may never have a game. So we must use all the levers we have at our disposal, knowing that each and every one of us has a vital role to play. The Great Reset is a welcome recognition that this human tragedy must be a wake-up call. It is imperative that we reimagine, rebuild, redesign, reinvigorate and rebalance our world. Rebalancing investment, harnessing science and technology, and advancing the transition to net zero emissions All elements of the Great Reset are fundamental to building the future we need. 
you know, <laughs> as they mentioned, the coronavirus gave them the opportunity to do this. That's why I've always called it the pandemic. Okay. Do, do all of those people not sound completely frightening? And do any of them sound like they have your best interests at heart? I don't think so. Listen to this clip, though. This is this is another, you know, I don't even care. You want to say I'm a conspiracy theorist. But this is another thing that adds to the idea that it is a complete conspiracy. As of today, and I say as of today, at this hour, uh, we have 33 confirmed positive tests of the virus. Yesterday, we had 22 cases. Today, we have 33 cases. So it's gone up by 11. Uh, uh, that brings, those are 11 new cases. Uh, 22 goes to 33. As we sort through this here uh, in Arkansas, uh, today, uh, I, we have 33 confirmed positive cases in Arkansas. Uh, as of today, we have 33 confirmed cases uh, with Boston residents. We expect those numbers to climb. As of this afternoon, we have 33 Pennsylvanians who have tested positive for COVID-19. So as of this morning, there were 33 uh, cases in North Carolina. There are now 33 cases in Louisiana. As expected. As expected. The the number of cases of COVID-19 jumps. A total of 33 people in our state have been tested and are confirmed to have the coronavirus. Day four of the shelter at home order brought six new confirmed cases of the coronavirus to San Luis Obispo County, bringing the total number to 33. All troopers will be professional, polite, and will treat everyone with dignity and respect. These latest steps as the number of confirmed COVID-19 cases in Rhode Island jumps by 33 overnight. Yeah. How do they have the exact number of cases increase in all of those states? Nothing to see here, folks. And here is a top Canadian pathologist, Dr. Richard, Dr. Roger Hodgkinson's told Alberta government officials that the current coronavirus crisis is the greatest hoax ever perpetrated on an unsuspecting public. There is utterly unfounded public hysteria driven by the media and politicians. It's outrageous. This is the greatest hoax ever perpetrated on an unsuspecting public. There is absolutely nothing that can be done to contain this virus other than protecting older, more vulnerable people. It should be thought of nothing more than a bad flu season. This is not Ebola. It's not SARS. It's politics playing medicine, and that's a very dangerous game. There is no action of any kind needed other than what happened last year when we got felt unwell. We stayed home, we took chicken noodle soup, we didn't visit Granny, and we decided when we would return to work. We didn't have anyone need anyone to tell us. Masks are utterly useless. There is no evidence base for their effectiveness whatsoever. Paper masks and fabric masks are simply virtue signaling. They're not even worn effectively most of the time. It's, it's utterly ridiculous seeing these unfortunate, uneducated people, I'm not saying that in a purgative sense, seeing these people walking around like lemmings, obeying without any knowledge base to put the mask on their face. Social distancing is also useless because, because COVID is spread by aerosols, which travel 30 meters or so before landing. And closures have had 
such terrible unintended consequences. They should, you, everywhere should be open tomorrow, as was stated in the Great Barrington Declaration that I circulated prior to this meeting. And a word on testing. I do want to emphasize that I'm in the business of, te of testing for COVID. I do want to emphasize that positive test results do not, underlined in neon, mean a clinical infection. It's simply driving public hysteria and all testing should stop unless you're presenting to hospital with some respiratory problem. All that should be done is to protect the vulnerable and to give them all in the nursing homes that are under your control. Give them all three to 5,000 international units of vitamin D every day, which, is, which has been shown to radically reduce the likelihood of infection. You know, he said it, and I totally agree with that. I mean, I'm sure he's going to be canceled if he hasn't been canceled already. But one of the worst parts, so all of that is terrible. All of these sneaky, slimy people say that you have to have the reset, you have to do this, you have to do that. They have the same numbers on f 10 different states. But one of the worst parts is not only how they've deliberately crushed it. This has been designed to crush small business and consolidate power in the multinational corporations, which I've discussed multiple times on this show, but the unbelievable hypocrisy of the Democrats who've broken their own lockdown orders. There have been lots of them. Gretchen Whitmau, Nancy Pelosi, Lori Lightfoot, uh, with uh, Pritzker, who's now doing another disastrous lockdown in Illinois. But here is one of the slimiest ones of them all, that greasy slimeball, gruesome newsome. I made a bad mistake. Instead of sitting down, uh, I should have stood up and walked back, got in my car and drove back uh, to my house. Instead, I chose to sit there with my wife uh, and a number of other couples that were outside the household. And you can quibble about the guidelines, et cetera, et cetera, but the spirit of what I'm preaching all the time uh, was contradicted, and I got to own that. And so I want to apologize to you. Yeah, he's only apologizing because he got caught. I don't think they expected to get caught, but there was some intrepid diner there who actually got the picture. And thank God for her. Thank God for anybody who's actually willing to report that. This is what they want. They want serfs, lords. They want serfs and lords. You're the serf. They're the lords. Rules for thee, but not for, for me, right? That's how they live. And they're willing to destroy and crush their own citizens, constituents to get it. And by the way, never, ever, 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 Give up your Second Amendment because the other countries that are getting disastrous lockdowns are not able to do anything about it because of that. So they gave up their Second Amendment. This is the kind of tyranny that the founders intended to defend against. You're listening to Brooke Talks America. I'm your host, Brooke Says. We will be right back with Colonel Jim. More Brooke Talks America coming up. To Brooke Talks America with Brooke Says. Connect by email info at brooktalksamerica.com. Here's Brooke Says. Welcome back to Brooke Talks America. I'm your host, Brooke Says, uh, here with Colonel Jim. And before I turn it over to Colonel Jim, just want to remind everybody that Eric Cooner. Dominion uh, Voting Systems Chief Officer of Strategi Strategy and Security told Antifa activists, don't worry about the election. Trump's not going to win. I made blanking sure of that. So, Jim, on that note, tell me what's going on. 
Well, of course, we've been following this in the news, and we see a lot of things being bantered about in the media. The Democrats claiming everything is fine and dandy. The Republicans are trying to uh, push forth uh, hundreds and hundreds of uh, charges against the various states. And we have center all of it, of all of this is a company called Dominion, which was brought on by the Democrats to totally violate everything possible in voting that you can imagine. When you bring on a system like Dominion, whose sole purpose is to change votes. They did it in Venezuela. They did it in Venezuela. They've done it in other countries. It was designed originally to be used to put into play elections in countries that we did not desire a certain outcome uh, now being used and in, been incorporated and and brought into the American system by the Democrat Party. And you have to ask the question, single, up front, first and foremost, and every single American should be asking, why would we use a capability that changes votes? It's not there to count and tabulate as accurate as possible. It is used for one thing and one thing only to change the votes. <clears throat> so here we have a, uh, a man by the name of uh, Eric Coomer, who was one of the lead uh, directors and vice president and everything of this company. Now he's suddenly disappeared along with other people who worked for Dominion. Where did they go? Uh, why are they in hiding? Are they fleeing the country to non-extraditable countries? We don't know. They're suddenly... Off their the the, the website, all their social media off their exactly. websites, everything. So the question rises: What are you trying to hide? Mm-hmm. And every American needs to be asking this question: And why are these why are these people f- fleeing? And where are they going? The other question that needs to come about um, is with the Democratic Party. I want to see every leader of the Democratic Party brought up by the media. And ask these questions. They are trying to make Republicans show the evidence, prove that there was wrongdoing. We are being scrutinized relentlessly to do this, but the Democrats get to brush their hands aside. They need to be asked questions. You prove that the election was fair. You provide your evidence that shows it's fair. And I guarantee you, none of them will go online. None of them will come forward. None of them will give interviews. They may give interviews, obviously, with... CNN and the mainstream media and say everything is fine, but they need to be held accountable and need to prove it as well. So this is the battle we have going between the Republican Party, the Patriots, and the mainstream media and the left. Not only that, but think about this. Okay, this is what I've always said. Again, everything they accuse you of doing, they're doing it themselves. So, and, and by the way, remember that Hillary said, do not concede. So President Trump, do not concede until the last possible second here's the reality all of a sudden they shut down counting the night of the election what happened the night of the election they they found out that florida was going to go for trump like overwhelmingly so they call arizona they call arizona for for biden right and they stopped counting on all the other things they had to have realized that if their constituents that they normally get on the democrat side were going to go overwhelmingly for trump in dade county florida 
totally unheard of that the rest of the states were going to do the same. Boom, they shut down the county, and that's where you have the beginning of the problem. If this were the reverse and it was the Republicans, they would be screaming from the high heavens all day long, 24 hours a day, and saying, you have to show us, you know, you have to show us proof, you have to show us proof. They don't want, they don't have any interest in this because they set this whole thing up. So that's the deal. But I know that uh, there is a, you know, and Sydney Powell's working on this. We're going to talk about this. But I know that there is a claim that they, we talked about it last week, that they uh, raided, the U.S. troops raided Germany in downtown Frankfurt for the Seidel uh, server. It's not true. Right? Right. right. Yeah. Um, the U.S. military would never have any j- jurisdiction to do such a thing. It would be a major violation of international law. We have rules when we have our troops based in foreign countries. We have what are called status of forces agreement, and it dictates what our troops can do in that country. To put an American unit into a situation like this would never happen. We couldn't even do that in the United States for a for U.S. military to go invade and 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 uh, take private property, so to speak, from from a company in any city in America. So it didn't happen. Yeah, so so that claim is, you know, as as great as it would make you feel, it's not true. Now, Sidney Powell is the tour de force the queen in this in this situation, yes, they have, they do have Rudy and Linwood and, and uh, Jenna Ellis and a bunch of other attorneys. It's true, but she is definitely the one that is making the majority of the claims. She's in a spat with Tucker Carlson. We won't get into it too much, other than to say that she will win that spat. <laughs> she already has because people are very upset with Tucker Carlson. You know, she's not going to give her whole hand away, but she says that she has overwhelming evidence which she will present in about two weeks. Now, you have what do you think is the Trump power, the Sidney Powell and Trump power strategy in relation to that? Well, there's a number of things at play here. One are the legal capability that the Trump team has put together. And we're all watching, as you said, Rudy and Linwood and others do their thing and they're filing dozens and dozens of cases in every single major city in the country where there is a likelihood of voter fraud. But at the same time, it's Sidney Powell who is behind the scenes gathering her evidence. And I I have to agree with you that she is the person who we need to watch. And of course, she has been forefront uh, on Rush Limbaugh and on, uh, and on others. But she is, you know, really... Right now, using Rudy and company as a deception while she gathers and analyzes the evidence. And she has uh, obviously put her reputation online. She is a uh, major significant lawyer. The Democrats, I believe, fear her and realize when she comes into town and starts doing what she's doing, she is a force to be reckoned with. And that's a major concern. And this is going to go forth, as you noted, probably in a week or two. Uh, and she will fire, file her claims in court, and this will set a precedent, and then we will go from there and see what happens. We don't know where it's going to go. Now, there's a number of other things that we need to take into consideration here. Back in September 2018, President Trump signed an executive order that basically addresses any interference by uh, foreign countries, foreign entities, political parties from using capabilities and apparatuses to impose some type of influence on an election. And that that executive order is implemented by people like the, the Attorney General, the, the Director of National Intelligence, the Secretary of State, to investigate and present findings 
for what was at play. And we all heard about the Dominion servers and another company called Seidel and others that were based overseas. You know, we talked about in Germany and other countries. The question is, did the information pertaining to U.S. votes go across the airwaves the, through, the electron, through the Internet to, to servers in these countries, and how was it used and manipulated? Uh, I tend to believe right now that that investigation, that executive order is being implemented. Well, hopefully, and um, DNI uh, Ratcliffe, hopefully he is involved with Barr because they need to be looking into this. We haven't heard anything from them, from Barr or Christopher Ray. I don't know what's going to be the status of Christopher Ray if he's just doing some kind of deception. But I really think that it would be nice if they came out and said something. But the FEC actually did come out and say that they, he believes that Sidney Powell definitely has credible information. And if he says if she is saying it, that he does definitely believe her. Very quickly, um, so I know that there are um, affidavits coming forward in Hillsborough County, there are three candidates. But I do want to get into this something else. So there, there's a lawsuit that's going forward here, even though he won by, Trump won by over 400,000. There are three candidates that are, that are um, filing. Congresswoman-elect Maria Elvira Salazar in Florida wants to do what? Well, this is interesting. She is a strong uh, Hispanic conservative, and she is putting forth a plan uh Kind of like the Freedom Caucus that we have in Congress, she wants to take on and lead a program where um, she does the same thing. She started what is called the Freedom Force to counter AOC and the squad, who we've talked about before on the show, to fight socialism. And that's a good thing, and we need to get behind her in doing that. Yes, and they have a lot of new people that are in Congress on the Republican side, and they're not with the socialism thing. She, I think she's from Cuba. Uh so that is something that hopefully will be a resurgence of anti-socialism in America because they're on the verge of taking the whole entire thing. Do not be a serf. Read Hayek. You're listening to Brook Talks America. We, we could use two, three more hours. Hopefully we'll get it soon. See you next week. You've been listening to Brooke Talks America with author, publisher, conservative advisor, and patriot. Brooke says, connect by email, info at brooktalksamerica.com. By Twitter, at Talks America. And listen next Saturday night for more Brooke Talks America on AM 860, The Answer.